Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My thanks for this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants, Pershaw in Worcestershire. There is no better group of plants for flower power. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and uh, hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries. So what has been happening? What's uh, new in the horticultural business? Well, Several landscape companies in the southeast, under the leadership of Ross Conquest Landscapes, have linked up with the Dame Vera Lynn Children's Charity to create a surprise garden for a child in need. Joshua Taylor Johnson, who is blind and unable to move really without constant help, will be able to get out into the fresh air, into the new garden the Ross Conquest people have uh, built. The late Dame Vera was everyone's sweetheart and uh, Alan Titchmarsh, the late uh, Clay Jones and I sang a specially commissioned song in her presence at a celebrity event at the Grosvenor Hotel. Alan of Clay performed with considerable musical talent, of course, and carried the day. I must try and dig out that tape recording. I think it's on my desk somewhere. I hear that 1.7 acre nursery, Woodcote Green Nursery in Surrey, alongside Dobby's Woodcote Green Garden Centre, is applying for planning to be developed as a garden care home. Never very happy to hear of us losing another nursery. Hopefully there'll be a a new one pop up somewhere else uh, to replace it. Evergreen Garden Care Managing Director Mark Portman, who was uh, interviewed on this podcast uh, fairly recently, reports that sales over the past year are up 11% in spite of the coronavirus lockdown last spring. Every message that keeps coming to me is that uh, more and more people are gardening and uh, thank goodness it could well keep uh, a number of us In the tips for the week, uh, I should perhaps have a quick word or two about poinsettias because millions, of course, will change hands over the last week or two and the next few days. It is important to get them home as quickly as you can. Cold wind is really uh, the kiss of death to them. So if the weather is cold when you're moving them about make sure that they've got a really good stout sleeve and wrap them in newspaper, you know, just wrap the newspaper around them to give them some insulation. When you get them home, they want to be warm on a very light windowsill and check the weight. If the pot is light, 
Then the plant will need watering. And you'll notice that as soon as you have given the plant a really good watering, it is quite a bit heavier. And then, of course, you don't need to water again until it is uh, light in weight. We keep giving uh, that tip out, but uh, it really is important that you uh, learn to just check how heavy each of your houseplants are. If it's in a very light position and a warm room, it will continue to grow and a little bit of very dilute uh, fertiliser will help. Those of you with uh, poinsettias left over from last year, and it's not too difficult to keep them growing, if they're still green, that's, I'm afraid, because there's just too much artificial light in the position where they are. From September onwards, poinsettias need to be in natural day length to form, um, first of all, the coloured bracts, and then the little tiny flowers that are in the centre of those bracts. I've seen some really stunning cyclamen on sale, both the little ones in 9cm and larger pots in 13 uh, Cyclamen, of course, uh, need a cooler temperature than poinsettia. A really nice light position, cool position, and you'll find that they will flower for weeks and weeks. Our guest on the podcast today is a transplant from Stoke-on-Trent. She moved to uh, Holland early in the 1980s. It's Sally van der Horst, who is a Secretary-General of Flora Select. Perhaps you could explain Flora Select to us. Flora Select has uh, been around for 50 years. In fact, it was going to be our 50th anniversary this year if all our celebrations, of course, hadn't had to be halted. And we are the organisation of breeders and young plant producers. We have two arms, if you like, the professional horticultural part of it and the home garden section. Almost all of the major breeding companies in the world are part of Flora Select. And you run a series of trials, Sally, don't you? That's where you and I meet. You organise trials of the new introductions from all of these international plant breeders and seedsmen. That's correct, Peter. We do uh, garden trials, so that's trials outside, out uh, out in the field. We do pack trials, that's trials inside in the greenhouse. We run a very interesting competition called the Flora Star, which is to judge varieties at point of sale, as they would be on the bench at the garden centre. And since the last seven years, we've also run plant of the year trials, where we look at all the varieties in a particular crop, and we see how they perform against each other again as an outdoor garden plant so we've done that incorporation this year as you know with Hyde Hall. The year just just finishing was the year of the Rudbecker and we had uh, from you 84 different uh, cultivars and some stunning kinds amongst them. The public absolutely loved that splash of colour. And didn't they go well on to the late in the season Peter because all the pictures you sent me unfortunately because of the lockdown, I didn't make it to see you in person and see the trials. But if we had lots of photography and videos taken, but didn't they go on a long time? Didn't the public have a long enjoyment of them? That's what I feel is such such a an interesting part of, of, of our trials is to see what the long-term garden performance is. Well, I'm just back from Hyde Hall today and we still have some of the sunbeckers in flower now. 
Now? Yes, we've had several degrees of frost uh, uh, and the sunbeckias with the girls' names, Sophie, for example, is still flowering. And so that means from June until December they've been in flower. I saw an email recently in the last day or so which said you've announced gold medal winners for 2022. How about the current year? We have a celosia called gecko green, which is bred for the colour of the leaves. Flowers very late, which means that the foliage is, is very attractive. It's burgundy-looking green, which is a very nice container plant. And then we have Delphinium grandiflorum cheer blue. That's from Miyoshi in Japan. It's a beautiful, stunning blue. And people could be sowing seed of that next month, couldn't they? Yeah, and they would be buying that up in the upcoming season in the garden centres. And then, of course, Rudbeckia. We fortunately included that in the uh, 84 that we were growing. And Amarillo Gold, it's a stunning variety. Uh, nice and compact. What would it grow to? About 18 inches, I suppose. Really rich yellow, lovely thing. In fact, we had the president of the Royal Horticultural Society come and look at our trial, and that was his favourite, Amarillo Gold. It's a beautiful yep. plant. And you're challenging us this year to grow calendula, 2021, the year of the calendula. Now, how many? Are there more than two and three calendulas? Oh, absolutely. I think I think I wrote, did I say 70? I had a lot of something in the area of 70, I think we have. Yeah, we've, we we surprised ourselves. We've even got some from uh, cuttings. So, you know, that it's a seed variety for the uh, for the gardening public, of course. But yeah, it's also propagated via cuttings. So there is some interesting breeding there. Let's see how they do as well, Peter. Well, the plan at present, we've got a big pansy trial that we're going to plant in February, early March, and we're going to plant those quite wide apart. I've just been measuring there today, and then we're going to sow the calendula in between them so that uh, the calendula can then come up and take over when the pansies uh, go off a bit, you know. It's a bit difficult uh, coordinating these things, and we may make a second sowing. There are, there are obviously, it's a yellow, orange tint, shades, of course, in calendula. But you know, Peter, I was interested because I was looking at the at the height. Some of them are quite short. Huh? I think you can go from sort of 15, 20 centimeters, and they grow. They, they're, 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 the breeding has, has, has brought us varieties which are short, but also quite tall. So I'm interested to see um, how they will all look. And I will, will we plant it in an order of height, Peter? Is that, is that the idea? So the shorter ones moving upwards? I would hope so. We didn't get that quite right with the Rudbeckia. We, we thought we'd done it fairly well to height. But, you know, plants are like human beings somehow. You can't forecast how they're going to grow. Little, little youngs sometimes become <laughs> quite big adults. <laughs> well, um, but but we'll do our best. I mean, you mentioned Benari and Amarillo. Uh, they had uh, Toto uh, Rudbeckia, which was about nine or so inches tall and, and you know, a little compact plant. Boy, did that flower. Flowered and flowered and flowered. And so if somebody wants an edging plant, then yes, you would put uh, uh, Toto in or Toto Gold. And then Amarillo could go behind it to be... Uh, at about 15 to 18 inches. And, and then you could put, uh, now, was it uh, Viviani, um, which had really chestnutty coloured flowers. That, that was up at nearly three feet. 
So we'll have to do we'll have to do the same with calendula. Yeah. The Viviani that was a brand new variety as well, eh? From a, a company called Hem here in the Netherlands, and that did exceptionally well, Peter. I understand not only with you but also in Harlow Car, where we planted a trial in in up in uh, Yorkshire. And it was the people's choice, you know. We got as well as having um, very uh, experienced Rodbeckia growers. We asked the visitors to Hall to judge. And online, you know, they took pictures and said, this was my favourite. And, and, and one has to say that um, the opinions vary tremendously. Some like yellow, some don't like yellow, some like bicolours, some don't like bicolours, some like the green eye in the centre and some like the dark eye. But that new variety from him came out tops. Uh, so, uh, And I'm just getting some seed and I'll be sowing that uh, probably the back end of January, early February, yeah. That's interesting, Peter. What, what's your opinion about colours? And, and because now we've had a yellow, yellow orange trial this year, well, plants that are yellow and orange, and we're going to do that next year. Does the British gardening public embrace those colours? Or are they looking f- still for more purples and blues? What, what, what's your opinion? <laughs> you've touched a nerve, I tell you, you've touched a nerve. Our garden designers. <laughs> dare I say what I call the blue stockings, don't like yellow at all. The general public love it. <laughs> I can tell you that without question. You know, as gardens get smaller, you need something which was going to give you colour, give you a bit of a lift to life. And it needs to flower for a long time. The one thing that I'm looking for at Floral Fantasia are plants that have a lot of flowers for a lot of weeks and months into the year. Uh, because people just want colour, you know. If, if you draw the curtains in the morning, I don't think you want to see dead grasses broken by the snow and the wind. You just need a bit of bright flower colour. Perhaps that's an old dinosaur speaking, although I do listen very carefully to the visitors. I'm pretty convinced that, that whilst designers seem to be reluctant to plant yellows and oranges, the, the general public love them. That's uh, very interesting because that's I, I, I as as a consumer myself, even in my garden, I don't I don't colour range my garden. I just put out there what I like. Also because seriously, Peter, sometimes I get given things so <laughs> to try like you do. So everything that I get given, I put in the garden. So my garden is just a splash of colour, and I love it. So. Uh, Perhaps we should be telling the general public this is what you've got to do. Collar, collar. And gardens really are like a photograph album to me. You know, as I walk the path and see there's the power daisy from the Curly family and, and there's the Rudbeckia Toto from the Benari family and there's the Cool Wave Pansy from Pan American and, and the Ball Company, you know. And if somebody gives me something then every time I walk past, I'm reminded of that person, aren't I? Yeah. You know, I, I have uh, flowering trees, which um, the persons, the people are long dead that gave it to me. But every time I walk past, I'm remembered of Jack Matthews and his uh, ornamental crab apple, Malus van Esseltine, yes, great character. The memory I have of him is uh, just prompted each time his crab apple comes into flower each spring. 
to be honest, a lot of a lot of lot of breeding companies are. It's all about people, isn't it? Breeders are people, aren't they? It's an art. It's a science, but it's also a passion. Uh, there's a, one particular breeder I know of San Vitalia, a, a gentleman called Mr. Dittmar from, uh, from, from, from Switzerland. And he said to me once, he said, when, I, when I'm not here and I look down from heaven, I will see my San Vitalias. I've bred those. Sally, it's always a joy to meet you, you know. You smile <laughs> from the inside, thank goodness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we're working in plants, Peter. When you work in plants... Your smile. So I look forward to seeing you in September uh, when, with a bit of luck, we'll have the Morris dancers with their knees high in front of the Thatch Lodge at Hyde Hall. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> and for the tailpiece, well, I was interested to see TV Channel Gold's annual competition to find the best Christmas cracker joke. I've got a couple here. Why are Santa's reindeers allowed to travel around on Christmas Eve? Because they have herd immunity. Oh, or how about this one? Why is it best to think of 2020 like a panto? Because eventually it will be behind you. Well, I certainly hope that uh, all of those problems that the virus has caused us over the past few months does get behind us in the next six. My thanks for this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants, Pershaw in Worcestershire. And my producer, Rich Jarman, and of course, you too for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 